the reason that the person that scores the birdie goes first is because they are playing the best so they have to lead you know like it's basically saying okay you're that good you have to go first you know no read the wind figure out the wind you're the one playing so for us it's just we have no choice so we just play in it and you learn a lot by playing in it um i know a lot of people are like oh you don't throw understable discs into the headwind because it's not going to be able to fight it just figure it out i don't think that you should be charging money for a pay-per-view event yet i think that's going to push away people from watching it. if this is a major you'd probably get more viewership you're gonna say oh this was the most watched event of the year um, by it being free and providing you know footage of it then by charging people and then welcome in everyone to the chain clankers disc golf podcast i'm your host quentin ferris here joined as always by horatio gonzalez we have a super fun show for you guys today we've got a new segment that we are debuting on today's show as well as we're going to be talking a little bit about the 2021 usdgc and uh, maybe why we aren't going to be watching it live and just kind of giving some thoughts about it as well as we're going to wrap today's show up with a disc golf hot take and a, a thought that i had that could completely change how disc golf is played so we're going to get into that and debate it and discuss so many things on today's show let's go and bring in our co-host ratio how are we doing today man i'm good very excited to get you know on some of these topics especially your hot take um i'm hoping for your sake it doesn't turn into that mids are a scam oh yeah debate. yeah that was that was fun though. i like i probably lost that and got roasted and i had got roasted so much that i started giving mids a chance but uh it was fun it was good to get that yeah. pushback i'd rather i'd rather have that pushback and have you guys roasting me than no roast at all if i say something stupid so you know keep, keep me in line i think that's always uh, a good place to be at yeah this this is like uh you know on uh I think it's like Mari or Jerry Springer, if you guys ever watch those shows, but like they check back in on some of the on some of the uh -huh. cast and see how they're doing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you still feel that way about mids? <sighs> no, I don't know, man. Like I'm really forcing myself to try to learn mids uh, and get better with them. And yes, I will agree. There was one comment that somebody said that it's probably because my form sucks. And yes, my form sucks. But uh it's more of a, I have to keep the hip in longer and, uh, and not just turn everything over. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I still feel as though any shot that I can use a mid, I can probably use a seven speed fairway driver and just not throw it as hard and probably get the same outcome. Am I still going to continue to work with mids and try to inevitably the goal is to increase that distance, you know, have the mid distance be, you know, 250 to 300 or whatever it is, you know, 200 to 300 and then fairways come in 300 to 350 and then hopefully I can get those big gains and actually throw over 350 consistently with distance drivers. Um, so it's kind of that's the overarching goal of what I want to work towards. So that's why I continue am continuing to use them. Uh, but yes, I do still think that at the end of the day, if I really want to, I can probably just throw a fairway driver, take a little sauce off and probably get the same result. That's yeah. We're like totally different. Cause like, I would say probably almost half of my bag is mids pretty close. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love, I love throwing mitts. I don't know for my arm speed, 
they just work and i feel like i have a lot more control maybe i just haven't found the right fairways but i feel like fairways are sometimes too fast and you know at the beginning you know everybody says that i'm like oh that disc is too for this hole for this course whatever and people say that didn't really know what that what it means but now that i've been playing a little longer throwing more mids i kind of understand now you know you can throw a mid a lot faster or more power and get it to do what you want it to as opposed to you know if you go like fairway or driver and you throw it the same way it's way too fast and like you overshoot it or you get big skip or you don't get um it doesn't do full flight because it gets there too fast kind of thing but yeah we're not talking about that today today we're going to be talking about usdc usdgc like you said and answering some questions from some folk so let's get started you want to start off with the new segment or you want to start off with the um, USDGC? I feel like USDGC kind of get that out of the way. Okay. And then, you know, we can get to the questions, the meat and potatoes. Awesome. Yeah, cool. So uh, USDGC is coming up. Uh, I think this episode is dropping on Monday the 4th. So I'm pretty sure it's that week is when USDGC is taking place or it's the week after. I, I cannot remember. I just know it's rapidly approaching. All the pros are there. And honestly, I don't really want to reach out to any pros right now for interviews just because I want to let them focus. This is obviously a very big tournament. So it might be a couple of weeks before we have another interview just because we want to respect those people out there, their time. Um, but yeah, so the USGGC is really, really important because it's a major. If you're new to disc golf and you're like, ah, oh, why does everyone care about the USDGC? It's one of the couple of majors that they have. So it's a really important tournament. You know, got the prestige and the history and all that stuff. And I'm pretty sure it's literally been dominated by like five people for the most part on the MPO side, like Paul and then a bunch of older guys have just got so many championships and then there's like three or four who have like one championship each but the usdgc is very important so i guess we just kind of want to talk a little bit about a who we think is going to take this home and b if we are going to be watching the usdgc and maybe um some improvements that we can have overall uh by you know the disc golf community through a a open and honest discussion about the usdgc so first off i'll start off with who i think is going to win i really in the bottom of my heart if i'm making a call right now today i think calvin heinberg comes out of here as the 2021 usdgc winner i feel like the whole season he has been knocking on the door of winning and just having a really good stretch of disc golf. There was a point where I think he'd finished like 20 or 30 straight events of finishing inside the top five, which is just an incredible feat. So I think this is the tournament he breaks through, wins his first major, and continues his ascension to the number one player on uh, Team Innova. Who do you got, Horatio? No, I I hope you're right because I love Calvin Heimberg. I'm like one of his biggest fans, and he's like one of my favorite to watch. And I think he's so, so talented. I think he's up there with Eagle McMahon as one of those like top tier pros, young pros right now who, when they're hot, like they're unstoppable, but he has a hard time finishing, you know, putting four rounds together. He'll be able to put like, you know, solid two, maybe three, if it's a four round tournament, but he always kind of struggles, you know, um, he's finally been able to win, you know, some big ones, but I hope he can put, hold it together and I hope you're right. But I don't really have, you know, I have who I hope would win, but I'm a big fan of a lot of those guys. But I think disc golf right now is in a great place where 
it's really anybody's anybody's tournament. There's maybe like 15 guys who can go out there and win just depending on, I feel, you know, you'll hear them say everything felt right. I just felt good. You know, the putts were working and whoever has that weekend where everything is working, they're mentally in a good place and their body's good and they're feeling good. You know, if you, all 15 of those guys are, are feeling that way this weekend, any of them can take it. I don't think, um, you can really, you know, put your money on, on one specific person, like, Oh, they're going to win for sure. And we talked about this last week about how the worlds are ran and, you know, this is a major, yeah. And like, if you win it, that's a big deal, but also like the fact that, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter who wins it um, because anyone could win it. But if we, if they did the tournaments the way we we're talking about like a point-based system. And so let's say, you know, it's kind of, this is towards the end of the year and certain people need to win it. And let's say a major is worth more points than some of the other tournaments. Then I feel like it would matter more and be like, okay, who needs to win this? Or, you know, if so-and-so wins this, what does that mean for worlds? And I think that's why this would be a lot more exciting than as to say, yeah, this is a major it's a tournament. And like, besides that, like it's got history behind it and, you know, they get a cool trophy and I'm not sure what else makes it a major, but besides that, like, how does this tournament, um, how is it any different than the tournament they played last weekend or, you know, or, you know, just one of the other tournaments, they Portland open or something like that. That's not a major, um, I feel like there's not much, but correct me if I'm wrong. You know, does that kind of make sense to you? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I also understand the like golf and tennis aspect where it's just kind of these events that they choose to be, Hey, these are the really important ones. These are the ones that are the most important in the game. Um, so, you know, I think that's just kind of how it is for disc golf. You know, it's, it's been determined by those, um, yeah, that it's, you know, this isn't the U.S. championship. This is the most important one. It's always at the same course. They just kind of changed the course up a little bit every year. Winthrop Gold, uh, just kind of depending upon, you know, OB lines and how they want to draw it up every single year. But yeah, so it's one of those things where I agree that I still would think that if we were in a position to where sure it's still a major, but it also still goes towards the end of season points and ultimate like world champion. Like I, I think that that would be so much better if you, if you didn't listen to our last episode, absolutely go check it out. We are two fans of formula one racing and we have found a way to make disc golf actually have a world championship that matters uh, by pulling from what formula one does. So if you're interested in that at all, definitely go check it out. Let's, I guess, kind of talk about the coverage for this. So this isn't anything that I guess it's the easiest way to explain it is you have to pay to watch this. It's not, you don't get it with your regular disc golf network subscription. Uh, last year, gatekeeper media did record it and put it out months later. I'm not sure if anyone's doing that again this year or not. Uh, obviously correct me in the comments below if someone is. Um, but right now I, I honestly, I don't know. So it's like a boxing event, uh, MMA, you have to pay per view. That's kind of how it is. And, uh, let's see here. The live pass is 20 bucks. 
you get four days of live coverage, con- condensed coverage, uh, exclusive access for 14 days, U.S. Disc Golf membership, $5 store credit, and a, com- a disc. So I guess that's kind of neat. Um, that's probably how much it would cost for the disc in the first place. Uh, there's a all access pass that is for both majors. So you'll get to watch the USDGC and you'll be able to watch, um, the women's championship. That's 30 bucks. And looks like you just get the same thing. Um, only you get to watch the women play as well. And then there's the gold pass that is $40 and again, pretty much the same thing. I'm, I'm literally reading this and I'm not seeing any difference. So it's almost more of a, hey, how much money do you want to give these people? Um, so I, I guess I'm not paying for it, to be honest. I am never going to pay 20 bucks to watch a single tournament because I can kind of sort of watch it on Instagram. And, you know, we're going to, I can follow it on UDisc and all those things. So like, to me, it's not worth paying the $20 to watch this tournament when I've been paying X amount of dollars for the disc golf network all year long. And I just, I don't think what you're getting in return also like really matters. And like, it's not like you just are able to watch it whenever you want. Like it does expire after 14 days. And I don't know, it's just one of those things where I think if they're, was almost more meaning to it other than it just being, Hey, this is the U S championship. Then I would maybe be more interested, but I'm not, I've never been somebody who's, who's a pay-per-view kind of guy. It doesn't matter what boxing match, MMA, anything. Literally if the chiefs were pay-per-view, I probably wouldn't watch it because I, I don't need to, in today's day and age, pay extra for something when you can pretty much get the coverage on social media anyways. That's how I feel about it. So you didn't buy the Jake Paul fight? No, I do listen to, I'm going to plug them. If you, uh, if you listen to the tiny meat gang podcast with uh, Cody Co and Noel Miller, they give me all the commentary that I need about the Jake Paul fights. <laughs> and then you also get the pictures on Twitter. So uh, like, no, you, yeah, you know I, how it is. It's also yeah, rigged. So memes. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I totally agree. I I don't know if disc golf is in that stage yet or, you know, in that place yet where you can be charging people for pay-per-view. You know, I guess, yeah, $20, $25, whatever, that's the price of a disc. Um, if you want to support the sport, you know, grow the game. I know we're probably sounding negative and like, oh, you guys should grow the sport. You guys should help, you know, whatever you can. Um, I don't think charging money to watch a USDGC major charging fans. I don't think that that is helping grow the sport. Not totally sure what the money goes towards. You no, know, maybe it goes to payouts and stuff, um, which that's great. But literally the disc golf pro tour championship, they're giving out $30,000 and like, that's not going to be pay-per-view. You know, they went out and got a couple of sponsors and they got money from other places um, and I doubt the payout, I don't know what the payout is for USDGC look real quick, but it's, I doubt it's, it's 30,000. Yeah. I'll, I'll look right now. And but so, you know, lower. yeah. And so like kind of, where's that money going to like, you know, I get it if you're needing that money to support players or some other stuff, but, um, I think you're kind of doing the opposite of growing the sport by charging, uh, for a pay-per-view event. Um, I know I, 
I canceled my uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour uh, subscription just because I literally was able to watch like two of the tournaments last year because I was busy. It was on certain times that were weird. Um, and then they played the final on YouTube. And so if I could, I would just watch the final. I don't mind. I don't need to watch all four rounds, you know. I, I'll go back to Joe Master and watch them if I really, really want to. I don't care if I already know who won. Um, you know, you if you enjoy watching disc golf, you just enjoy it, period. I'm not the kind of person, you know, oh, I haven't watched it yet. Don't spoil it for me. That's too bad, you know. Um, but, yeah, so I canceled that just because it kind of wasn't. And I, I put it off a long time canceling it because I did feel bad. And, you know, I wanted to support disc golf pro tour i wanted to support disc golf by having the membership like they're providing live disc golf um and i just the few times that i was able to i was not happy with the product i'll just say that and it just kind of made me more frustrated than i did enjoy it um it was really confusing to watch you know as a new player or someone who doesn't really keep up with all the players which sports, a lot of it is, you know, being invested in the players or the teams. One reason I like don't care for football or other sports is because like I have zero idea who is on that team. I don't know anything about them at all. If you ever watch UFC or if you go to like a pay-per-view fight, if you go watch a UFC fight, by the time that that main event comes on, you know the entire live story about the fighter that's going to fight and or both of them. And by that point, you're rooting for one of them. It can be someone who has never watched UFC in their entire life. But I guarantee you, by the time that main event comes on, that person that has never watched UFC, they are like, I'm rooting for this guy. Because the UFC, the UFC has shown you um, a bunch of like documentary type videos and scenes from their life and their struggles and how they made it here and what this means to them and whatnot. And that's why a lot of people are able to get into UFC and it's a lot of fun. Uh, but other sports don't really give that to you. And that's kind of why I'm not into sports totally. But Disc Golf Pro Tour, the coverage, um, if you'd never watched sports before and you just kind of jumped into it and wanted to watch it, they they just jumped between like multiple cards. They jumped between FPO and MPO. And it was just like, even for me who I, that I knew who everybody was, it was difficult to watch. But, you know, Whatever, I think they've gotten better at it. I don't have a subscription anymore, but I do still jump on Sundays. Um, I probably rambled on way too much, but I'm kind of just trying to make the point of I don't think that you should be charging money for a pay-per-view event yet. I think that's going to push away people from watching it. If this is a major, you'd probably get more viewership. You're going to say, oh, this was the most watched event of the year um, by it being free and providing, you know, footage of it then by charging people and then a quarter of the people that would have watched actually watch it. Yeah, you make some fantastic points. And I know there's going to be people, be people on Instagram and, and YouTube or whatever. Please comment down below what your thoughts are. Are A, are you paying for this? Uh, B, do you think we're crazy for saying what we're saying? Let us know. I'd love to have an open and honest discussion with you over there. But you're making the right point here. At the end of the day, if you want to grow the sport, because I'm going to hear someone's commenting right now that, well, Q, we want to grow the sport and, you know, you have to pay to grow the sport and so people can watch. No, that's not true necessarily right now. Like by doing that, like you just said, you are limiting 
how many people can actually watch this event and how many people are just going to let this go by the wayside because no one is watching it. There's a reason why the Pro Tour Championship is on ESPN and the United States Disc Golf Championship is not. And there's a reason why the World Championship is not on ESPN and all those things. A, it's a PDGA issue and the PDGA cannot run elite series events for anything but b there's no reason to be making people pay for this and i actually can admit my own mistakes i was reading the incorrect uh information about like what you get that was apparently for last year um for this year uh it's 25 dollars if you don't have a dgn subscriber account but 20 if you do and for that you get like i said earlier four days of live coverage for both tournaments and then you get uh 30 days is how long you have to watch it you get some bonus content content throughout the week um and you get a u.s disc golf membership for 2021 and 2022 and i'm not gonna lie i don't know what a u.s disc golf membership is i've been playing disc golf for quite a while and i don't know what that is and i genuinely don't care because it has not affected me in any way shape or form um they do have a gold pass Hundred dollars, eighty bucks if you have the DGN, but it's limited to two hundred and fifty people. Only two hundred and fifty people can buy the expensive pass. Like that doesn't make any sense in the first place. Wouldn't you want more people to be able to buy that? I don't know. Just a thought. What you get with that is uh, you get the coverage, all that stuff. Um, but in addition, you get one ex- exclusive disc. So you don't even get a disc with the twenty dollar one now, um, and you get a coin a commemorative coin and a ten dollar gift card to dgu so yeah not worth it in my opinion and also like you said i'm not sure exactly who is doing the commentary for this but the commentary lately has been pretty bad in my opinion and uh if you know me well you know a couple of commentators that i'm not gonna not gonna say their names but they are just downright awful and i don't understand why they're still there and i I hope for the disc golf pro tour and the the network and all that stuff that they kindly move on from them and they find better people. Um, so with all those reasons, like you said, I just don't think it's worth it. I don't think we're in the right place. If, if this is supposed to be important, you want people to watch and grow the sport, let it happen. Don't put it behind a paywall as well as I also have a bone to pick with the fact that it's, a Innova ran everything like Innova is the sponsor of everything and they pretty much own the USDGC. So they are probably to blame a little bit here. Uh, so yeah, I think we've done enough rambling and complaining about the USDGC and the women's championship, yeah. and all that. Uh, but th- those are just kind of our thoughts. And, you know, a point of this podcast is we are not going to say the same thing that every other podcast says. We are never going to be afraid to share our opinions, even if they're not the opinion of the masses. And we are going to challenge certain systems to hopefully inevitably create a better disc golf environment. I really think that we do a good job of that on our podcast and we are very open to discussion and debate. So if you have any of that, put it in the comments, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, and let's have a discussion because I think that's better than not saying anything at all. With all that being yeah. said, if you're enjoying this, hit the thumbs up, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We really do appreciate all you that have done that. It, it really does help us a lot. Let's get into our brand new segment. It's called Ask the Clankers. This is where you can submit any question you want 
we're going to answer it on the show. I think it's going to be a fun new segment. Get us just talking about different things and hopefully helping you guys out on a little bit more personal level. So Horatio, uh, why don't you take us away? Yeah, and we have quite a bit of these today. So we'll try to, you know, stick to two or three minutes max on each one. That way we can get through all of them and we don't just ramp on about them. So with that said, the first one is from Casey McFanton. Who is the best player on tour and why is it Ricky? Um, I'm going to have to disagree with you there, Casey. I don't think Ricky is the best on tour. I think he is one of the best and definitely, you know, uh, top five. But I'm pretty sure number one ranked is Eagle McMahon. And I will have to agree with that. I think that he is the best on tour. If he is, like I was saying earlier, you know, mentally and health wise, which you can say that about any player, but I would agree if they were all, if they were all on equal playing field, as far as health and mental state, I think that Eagle McMahon would be the best player on tour. Wow. I don't know if this is, Oh, that's national tour. Okay. Ricky, Ricky won the national tour, but like who cares about that in the first place? um here we go i've got the rankings for the disc golf pro tour just waiting for it i think you're right i do think that eagle did get the one like the u disc world rankings is like i don't know what i'm talking about oh yeah yeah um sorry this is taking a lot longer to load than i wanted and it also this website sucks okay I'm just going to say you're correct. And I, I, I agree. I think Eagle's the best on tour right now. Um, he just, when he puts everything together, he is just unstoppable. I think he can throw further than Ricky. Um, I think oh, Ricky, just real quick, Ricky is number one and then it's Eagle and then it's Paul. What's the point so, differential? Yeah. So they have them as Ricky has a 52.65 and Eagle has a 50.74. Um, so that's like based off tournaments and stuff. So which Ricky did win more, but I would, even with that, I would still say that Eagle is the best on tour. In my opinion. Yeah. I scoring, scoring stats, Ricky. Yeah. I agree with you as well. I did, I guess, actually find what I was looking for. And I guess Ricky has 732 points and Eagle has 715, but Eagle did play, or excuse me, Ricky played at Goat Hill, which Eagle did not, and he got first, so that's 25 more points. So if you take that away there, even Steven. Um, so, yeah, they're pretty much even. And at, there's two other events also. Um, the Open at Belton and Vintage Open, Eagle didn't play. So Ricky played in three more events, and in those events gained a additional, what's that going to be, 65 points? So if you take the 65 points away, that's going to leave Ricky with, I don't know, somewhere around – 600 kind of where calvin is around the 660 ish range so eagle walks away with with that one so yeah it's eagle absolutely eagle see see and that's another point towards the uh what we were talking about the point system um eagle didn't show up to those events because like who cares or he didn't want to or something else was happening but if you had it to where the season was set up in a point system like these guys are going to have to show up to the events 
Agreed. to get those points because if they want to qualify and win world championship, it's not going to be like, uh, I'm going to set up my tour. I want to go to this. I like that tournament. This one gets me a lot of points. This one has a big cash out. I'll go to those. And I'm not really going to care about the other, other ones. So then you have players that are playing in some and other players aren't playing in others. Whereas if it was a point system, like, no, like you're going to have to go to every single one that gives you points. Agreed. And if and I can jump it. in also real quick, like you have like a big, like, I don't know, like whoever wins the season wins like 50 K or something like that, something to like make it worth it. And uh, it, it's one of those things where also you have the points and it matters. And if you want to go play a silver series event, it just doesn't count towards the points, but you can go and play and win the money or whatever. Because I also think it's not sustainable and healthy to have the elite guys playing every single tournament from February to October, like every weekend, every week, every, like, I just, I genuinely do not think that's very healthy. So it's one of those things where there can be those silver series events. And if you want to play, you can, but it shouldn't impact you if you don't. Well, well, I think it would be, you know, and it's easier now since disc golf pro tour is officially taking over. It would be the disc golf pro tour is the official tour mm-hmm. for the PDG for for the for the season. So like that's where you would get your points from the yep. disc golf pro tour. Like those tournaments are the ones that give you the points towards a world championship, and you can play whatever else you want. You know you can cash up, go to go get the cash from those other tournaments, those silver series or whatever else, to get more money or more practice or whatnot. But everyone would pretty much have to go to every single disc golf pro tour to get points. Yep, I completely I agree. Hopefully, that's what happens. Hopefully, that's right. what happens. Next one. All right, next question from Brennan James 13. How would you throw a course cleanup event? I think this is really cool. I was kind of thinking about this earlier today. We recently had um, something kind of set up for a course here in town. It's not like it's not a local course here for me. It's kind of out a bit. Um, but I was not able to make it and I heard the turnout wasn't that great. Could have been better. And that is a course that's very popular and there definitely should have been more people. Um, it was, it was at least here it was pouring. Um, so weather I think kind of infected, affected it a bit, but I know a couple, a month ago or so, there was another cleanup event at another course here in town and they did a flex league during the thing. So they're like, Hey, we're we're going to clean up the course from like so-and-so hours. And then after that, we're going to play the flex league. Oh, so okay. That's clean up the course, picked up trash bags and whatnot, and then went out and did the flex league. Okay. Um, kind of thing, which was, and they got a bunch of trash picked up and a bunch of people played. So, you know, I think in my opinion, to set up a, or what could have improved from this other one or for other ones that you might be doing in your area. Um, I think you do something where there's so, some sort of an, incentive and you get people out unfortunately you know disc golf community is great but just human nature people like to do something and kind of receive something in return it's just human nature Um, you will have the people that are very selfless and people are amazing and just want to help and hopefully you have a lot of those people in your community but if not it takes a lot to get people out of their houses you know to come out and just do stuff it's easy to make excuses or whatnot so I think if you were to set up some kind of tournament or if you did a, a league and maybe the business or some somewhere local, or if it's, you know, I know here we have two, we have um, 
Air Capital Disc Golf, which is a local league. And then that's the main one where you kind of join and people, you know, are memberships and stuff. Um, so if you do something like that and there's, there's money in those leagues. Um, so maybe you set up some kind of a league night or a tournament and you s- say, we're going to double the ACE pot or we're going to put something towards the, you know, or play for free, but we're going to pay the cash out or something like that. Um, and then, you know, all you have to do is come help clean up for an hour, clean up for an hour to whoever shows up, you get automatically entered to play league night tonight or to play in the tournament today for free or, you know, towards that a spot. And then you play, go on to clean up and then you play the tournament. That way, you know, it's, it's clean and people will kind of see their results and stuff. And then that way um, you get them out there. It's for a reason and you can win something. There's an incentive and people are happy. And, um, you know, I think that that would be a great way to get people out. What do you think? Yeah, I really like that. I think though, with that, it does require like a little bit of clout to your name. So like if I'm brand new disc golfer, it's going to be a lot harder for me to do that than if it was like, you know, one of the local shops from the area, um, they could, you know, organize that a lot better, but no, great, great ideas. Great ideas. Um, I, I think that one of the easiest ways to do that is you could literally just go on Facebook and your group for disc golf in your town and be like, Hey, let's clean up the course on this day. And, you know, don't, don't do it like three days before you want to do it, like plan it out, give it like at least a couple weeks in advance so people can plan to go there. And like you were saying, it's human nature. Not everyone's going to want to go out and do that. I didn't even know about the course cleanup over here at Cole, which I, I had no clue that was even going on. Um, but it is one of those things where I, I think it would be nice to a if we could like get more trash cans around like there's something crazy that i just i don't see a lot of trash cans on the course in this town and i think if somehow some way we were able to have some that would really 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 help out and like you were saying like there's probably leagues and stuff and um i don't know like in some towns i know like there's literally a league for a certain course and it's like a little organization that you kind of pay into and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, you can always talk to them and be like, Hey, let's, you know, plan something and let's get it cleaned up. Um, so yeah, great, great ideas. Great ideas. All right. Let's keep on moving here. Due to grow the sport in your area, I would say um, you're listening to us. So that's literally, the biggest thing you know we said that we could do the easiest it was during covid it was you know not many people were meeting you couldn't really do much so like what can we do um that you know we can give to the community and i guess this is in your area but it's also you know we're doing it to anyone you know who wants to listen nationwide worldwide or whatever so definitely starting the podcast um i would say locally we know we share the episodes but we also um what's the word embrace or um, local players. You know, we've brought on multiple local players who are, you know, we had Nolan Renter, we had Cody Dio, we had Nathan. um, And those players who we see here locally, who are, you know, good, good role models. They're great players. You know, we see them, you know, being, being successful here. So just um, putting them in the spotlight, the small spotlight, you know, I guess that we have and to kind of just show, 
showcase them to our because we have a lot of local listeners and so you know they're proud of that to hear you know their fellow you know people that play with that league nine stuff and so they get excited about that and they're like, okay cool like we have a good disc golf community here so i think that gets people excited about it and you know i think that that definitely helps helps grow grow disc golf here in our community yeah definitely the podcast is our number one way, and you know, you can go back to listen to our, our intro episode about what we wanted the podcast to be. And it, it's the truth. You know, we get tons of messages that are like, you know, I'm brand new to disc golf, just started listening to you guys' podcast. Your podcast is great. Like, thank you for all the tips and advice and stuff. And like, that's why we do this. And we're helping grow the sport that way because we see a gap in the market. Clearly there's, we're the only disc golf podcast out there that does what we do and are dedicated to those newer players up to advanced, even pros sometimes where we want to help you get better disc golf. We're not going to just sit here and just, you know, spill the tea about what's going on on the pro tour hundred percent of the time. Is it fun to do that every now and then? Sure. But we really want to focus on helping you guys get better and there's just no one out there like us right now. And so that's, that's kind of what we're doing. And, you know, just, uh, when we can participating in those cleanup events and going out to league and talking to people and, you know, hopefully making people more comfortable to come up to us and talk to us. And I, I also just love being able to, you know, someone ask for advice, be able to watch it, break it down from a fundamental standpoint and, and help them out. Um, so I kind of think that's what we're doing. We obviously have bigger things that we want to do and kind of have in the future that with time and hopefully, you know, more people coming to us, will be able to pull off and, uh, yeah, definitely appreciate all the, all the folk in Wichita who check us out. You know, I, I played with a couple of guys the other day and they're like, yeah, man, really, really love the podcast. You know, thanks for doing it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, you can get behind it, share it with your friends. If you, if you got friends that play disc golf, share the podcast with them, help them get better. Yeah. Yep. I would say it definitely makes me want to play better because like, oh, that's the guy from Chain Clankers. And you know, we say on here we suck all the time because we do. I suck so bad. It, it's nice. <laughs> that's the, that is the first thing I tell my double <laughs> partner. Said, I'm like, bro, I suck. Just so you know. Uh, <laughs> I still try to go out and play good just because of that. You know, kind of people are like, oh, damn, that's that's who we got out here talking to pros. But you know, we've both improved a lot in the year, and large that is to you know who we've talk to and you know taking our own advice and tips um all right next question here is when are you guys having a mids only round any day um i don't know if q has enough mids i could borrow him got some plenty okay. i think i i think <laughs> i've got i've got the soul the origin an md3 an md4 a ma3 yeah he's quite a bit and a warship so i have six mids in the bag right now He's got a sweet MD3 that I've been trying to buy from him for a while, but he keeps saying, oh, I need to try it. I got to yeah. see everything. I got to like it. Uh, when you get yeah. tired of it, you, know, you hit a tree one time, and you're like, this thing sucks. I'll be there to be like, all right, I, I can take, take it. it. You're talking about the, the one that we got from the, that pack? The Crush Voice one? Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. did that a couple of times today. Um, yeah, yeah, no, man, we, we hopefully soon, we've had some pretty big life events happen lately. Um, so that's kind of slowed us down a little bit with what we wanted to do YouTube video wise, but I think we're starting to hopefully kind of settle in and get into a groove to where we can put out some more YouTube videos, um, and just also content that we can transfer over to Instagram. Um, so yeah, definitely look out for that. Hopefully if everything goes well, maybe we can record that sometime this week or next Saturday or something like that. 
and uh, we can yeah. square off a battle. Yeah, the weather's of the good right now. Yeah, the weather's so good. So we got to get out there. <laughs> All right, next question we got here is, what made the both of you get into disc golf? Q was the one that got me into it. Um, COVID, we were visiting them up. We were visiting them, and there was nothing else to do. Everything was closed. It's, you know, they played it, and it was something to do, and I I fell in love with it immediately. Um, I first started back in high school or just out of high school. I think it was like... The summer of like after I graduated, maybe, or maybe the summer before that, uh, I just remember like all my buddies and I literally throughout high school, we would always play ultimate Frisbee with each other, or, you know, just kind of toss the discs around. Um, and that was something that we really got into. I mean, I, I literally had this light up fun little story. Okay. The night that my fiance and I like really started to like date or whatever, uh, it was literally like 10 degrees outside and we were throwing that frisbee. So you could say everything was made by, by discs in general. Um, but literally with that frisbee, we would go to the soccer field at like nine o'clock at night and it would be like lit up. So it'd be cool. And we just would play ultimate with like the six of us um, yeah. or just like toss it around and talk. Like, you know how some people will shoot hoops and just like talk. Like we would literally just throw the disc around and chop it up. Um, that's yeah. always been something that we've done. Um, I definitely kind of forced that on the friend group, but thankfully it stack and it was fun. Uh, so one of, one of my friends and I, we like went out and played it and had a pretty good time. Like I literally used some distance driver cause his, his dad had played. And so he had like these like four, like old discs. I mean, they not in production, uh, don't know what, pla- I don't even know what they were. And like, I was cooking low key. And so we both really got into it. And then when he went to another state for college, uh, didn't really play a whole lot. And then, yeah, once COVID hit, instead of for my 21st birthday, being able to, you know, go out like other normal 21 year olds, I uh, couldn't do that because COVID had closed everything down. So my fiance planned like this really cool trip in town for us to go to this really cool disc golf course. And, uh, yeah, we both just really got into it and we were into it pretty good. And then I think getting you guys into it as well really made us like also like, like, I don't know, like make the flame keep going, keep burning. Oh, you're right. You're like, damn, I I introduced this to him. I can't, I can't let him be better than me. Yeah, pretty much. I, uh, Uh, the way when I, when I first saw you, When I first saw you throw, I said, yep, I cannot let this guy get better than me. I've got to put the pedal to the metal. I cannot. Do you remember that? I've got to, try. I'm, I'm going to find a video yep. and uh, just send it to you. I, I have when we, yeah, when I first, I threw yeah. awful. Yeah. Yeah. It was but, fun. But it just goes to show you can go from actually sucking at disc golf to still kind of sucking at disc golf, but Suck, look a lot cooler. <laughs> No, it's, it's incredible. You know, if you really like the sport, you know, we were playing um, and I really don't think I still play in rec and I really don't, I'm competitive in rec and I'll probably move up soon. I haven't won any yet, but it's really cool seeing like, um, so playing league night yesterday and playing with guys who I think are true rec players. um, And they were just kind of blown away, I guess, with kind of my shots, my distance and my accuracy 
um, which that course is pretty easy. We played this course. It's pretty wide open. A lot of the shots are pretty simple. Um, and they were just kind of blown away. They're like, I don't get it. Like, how do you do that? Like, like, it just makes me frustrated. Like you guys probably, they're like, I've been playing longer. Like, how are you able to be that good? Um, and I was, and I was literally like just playing too much. I was like playing too much probably. Cause when I, you know, fell in love with it and started playing, I literally was playing five to six days a week. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just playing. I was learning. Like I was trying to figure out how the good players played. So it was being intentional with it. So if you really, really want to get better, if you honestly want to get better and compete, you have to be intentional with your game. Not just, you can't just go out and play and just hope it gets better. Um, you have to record stuff. One, one final comment on that, that I have, uh, it goes back to that episode we did with Cody deal. Like you have to be dedicated to something, right? You can't just go out there and just hope it happens. You know, you have to be the guy or gal who makes it happen. You have to work. You have to be dedicated to the craft. Um, I mean, a great example is I literally would be like pooping my pants on the putting green in pressure situations because I a didn't put myself in those situations enough and B could not be bothered to go out and practice, putt. but since coming down here, I mean, I literally practice, but probably every night and, you know, hit the best putt of my life a couple of weeks ago. And I feel very confident on the green right now. And it's because of that dedication You have to be dedicated in order to get better. You have to embrace the suck in order to get better. Um, yeah, those things really do matter. Are you talking best part of your life? Are you talking about that one where it was dark and you couldn't see? Yes, that is absolutely. Do you really want that to be the best part of your life? Yes, because I could barely see the basket. I could no, I could barely see the basket because it was dark outside. Okay, there was a ceiling, and I was easily fifty feet out, maybe a little further, but fifty feet is what I'm going to call it. The shot was great, but. I think the the reason again goes back to last episode. It was a I'm, great shot, but if you couldn't see it, I could I could see the outline of the basket, right? So like it's not like it's not like you're playing okay. at noon and like you can see everything very clearly. Like it is actively dark and getting darker. Yeah. So like I know where the basket is. Yeah. I have to hit the basket. And sure, you can get lucky and toss it in, but I think from that distance, like it's significantly harder to do that. Yeah. And if it okay. if it meant literally nothing, if nothing was on the line cool it's a nice putt in the round i'm happy i made it but we needed that putt to secure like third place i think and so the fact that we did it like that's why i why it mattered because it it mattered for something it wasn't just all right last put of the night before we head home gotcha pressure yeah i thought i thought you couldn't see the basket at all no, I thought it, it was, was a blind putt. No, 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 no. Like... We were probably five minutes away from actually not being able to see okay. anything. But like the the my, when my partner went, okay. um, Mark, shout out to you, you're awesome. Um, it someone like drove by and their car lights were on the basket for like ten seconds. I was like, bro, you have to go right now because we can very clearly again, like normal, you could see the basket. Where once it went away, yeah, it was just like a very faint outline. Um, and it also mattered because the guy before us also big putted from like 40 ish out and made it. Yeah. And so it was like, dang, I'm not about to get big, big putted. I can make this also. And so, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Cool. All right. Next question we got is from Chris comb to, I don't know if I said the last person, what made both of you get into disc golf. It was Boyer 1986. 
All right, this one is Chris Combe too. I'm still confused on how ratings are configured. What's the difference between 1000 and 1050? Um, I am not like an expert on ratings. My guess is just that person has played more difficult courses and been more successful. Um, so I think, you know, if you were a 1050 player, but you're not playing as many tournaments as that person or not playing as difficult courses with, you know, that certain par, um, you're not going to increase your rating. Um, it just means you have played, you have been more competitive at more difficult courses. So according to the PDJ site, it says a player's PDJ rating is based on rounds in the past 12 months. Um, and the most recent 25% or one fourth of the rounds will count double once they're at least eight Oh, once you have at least eight round ratings, then like your last 25% count more, I guess is how I'm interpreting that. Um, and so pretty much rounds more than 2.5 standard deviations or more than a hundred points below a player's average are excluded from their rating. Um, and so pretty much the way it works here, it says round ratings, your rating for each round is based on how well you shot relative to the hypothetical scratch player defined as someone with a rating of a thousand An automatic calculation uses scores from at least five players with ratings over 699, whose rating is based on the last eight rounds of information. The players are called, um, don't care about that. So yeah, pretty much it takes, yeah, I'm not going to read all of that. I'll just sum it. So pretty much what it does is it takes everyone's rating for or how everyone played on that course during that round, compares it. And then, you know, if it's raining and really windy, like if you shoot a two down, your rating could be like a, let's, I don't know, let's say a thousand It's a really difficult course. So that's a thousand. But then you go play it the next day when the conditions are perfect and maybe the skill level there is a little bit worse Then that ratings now all of a sudden a 980. So A, ratings are broke in the first place. B, everything is relative to what is the field doing and what is, you know, you're doing compared to the course, compared to the conditions and all that stuff. And it literally changes with every single round. So if you have a rating of 1050, that shows that you are consistently a very good player, well over scratch disc golf, and you are probably winning or in the top five at most of those events. So like if you're a rec player and you shoot like a plus six, your rating could be like an 850. And then, you know, you go back a year and you shoot a plus two, your rating could also be an 850. It just kind of depends on everyone else there. So typically I think the better field you're playing with, the higher your rating should be. And also ratings, just like everything else with inflation kind of go up every year. Um, so we're seeing a lot more thousand rated disc golfers. Like it used to be like you were a thousand rated, you were the big man on campus. Now it's kind of like, you kind of got to get to a thousand rated to even think about wanting to go on the pro tour. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge, I mean, 1000, 1050 is huge. I mean, Eagle McMahon is 1053 and, I know a couple, you know, some local guys who are a thousand or a couple other players that are a thousand and the difference, it's a big difference. You know, the level of play is huge um, between those 50 points, but yeah. All right. Last question we got here is from Tiffy Teller Jacob. How do I play in the wind? 
Um, literally, my thing is, you know, we're from Kansas. So we have a lot of wind. Probably what is not very bad wind to us is probably a lot of wind to most people. And so if we want to play disc golf, we just have no choice. Um, that's just what we're going to play in. And it's actually kind of weird when there's zero wind. Mm-hmm, um, this Friday for the league night, it was beautiful out, but there was zero wind. And it was like, okay, what the heck? Like my discs aren't doing what they normally do. Um, so for us, it's just we have no choice. So we just play in it and you learn a lot by playing in it. Um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you don't throw understable discs into the headwind because it's not going to be able to fight it. Just figure it out. I love throwing understable discs and I love throwing hyzer flips. So you just have to absolutely change, you know, the angle you're going to release it on and put a ton more hyzer on it. But it still works and it helps you. It gives you more respect for the discs and you just figure it out. Um, if I didn't pull out my understable discs every time it got windy, I would probably be screwed. And I still, you know, pull out stuff that's going to be more overstable if I absolutely need it because there's a lot of wind. But yeah, my my suggestion is just get out there, play in it, see what your discs do and learn to adjust. Yeah, it's it's another one of those situations where you just have to be out there. You have to play in it when it's windy. That should be a, a, a sign to you. Hey, I need to go play today. Hey, I need to go practice putt today because I can get better in these conditions. And it's one of those things as well, in my opinion, where typically you should throw something overstable, but then I think you do lose out on a little bit of distance. It's a kind of control versus distance thing. You can control an overstable disc better in the wind, typically, unless you're like Horatio and you consistently work at it and you know work those understable discs and you understand what it's going to do and then all of a sudden it's like hey when i have a 10 mile per hour wind i can throw this hades but when i have a 25 mile per hour wind i can't throw this hades or if i do i have to throw it like this in order to get it to do what i want so it's it's a lot of information gathering and you just have to go out and do it um and yeah you know putting i'm pretty sure the way it goes is if you have a headwind you want to aim like lower because it's going to make your disc rise and if you have a tailwind you want to aim higher because it's going to drop your disc um so you know just kind of working on those things but that's kind of what i would suggest for the wind get out and just play before it quick thing here my sister just sent me a photo of them at the park playing disc golf with my nephew and niece who are like seven and five or something like that so yeah I'm like i was like yes nice so that's pretty sweet we love to but, see it. All right, guys, that is all the time we had for all the questions today. You know, we hopefully next time we can get to all of them, but I want to get to uh, Quentin's hot take today. So thank you for the questions. Please continue submitting those. Yeah. We'll probably do those maybe like once a week and get to a few of those. Amazing questions. We really liked it. You know, good topics, variety of topics. So thank you very much to everyone that submitted. So with that, let's get this hot take and then we'll get you guys out of here. Yeah, so the hot take that I have this week, the Clinker's hot take, is I think the order in which play should go is, as of right now, it's whoever did the best goes first, and then second best, third best, fourth best. I think that should be inverse. I think if, let's say, you get a birdie and everyone else gets a par, or you know someone pars, bogey, double bogey, the double bogey should have to go first. And then the bogey should go and then the par should go. And then you should go as the one with the birdie because it gives you more time to 
understand and react to the wind and you can make reads on what other people are doing. You can see other people's lines and be like, oh, wow, that is the line to go for here. Oh, wow. I was going to do that. And now that guy did that. And he hit the tree that I didn't know was there, the limb that I didn't know was there. I'm not going to do that. So like, it just makes more sense to me. Like I understand the argument of, well, then you don't get to control the pace of play. And like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, at the end of the day, I think that makes sense to me. And I would rather go last because I can see what everyone else has done. And also I lose discs. And if I go last, I'm less likely to lose my disc because I saw it land and it's still like in my head. So that's just a me thing. But uh, yeah, I think that the order of throwing should be inversed. A different point. I would say I, I don't agree I think because in that scenario, you are uh, rewarding bad play. You're punishing bad play. You know, if the first, if the person who did the worst is going to go first in that scenario, um, you're only, I guess, putting more pressure on them. And I don't know. I feel like that kind of sucks. I feel like the reason, the reason that the person that scores the birdie goes first is because they are playing the best, so they have to lead. You know, like it's basically saying, okay, you're that good. You have to go first. You know, no, read the wind, figure out the wind. You're the one playing, so you get it. And it's also kind of a cool incentive. It's kind of like a, it feels good. It's a confidence booster. You know, when you get to lead the box, like, oh yeah, it's still my box. Or you know, on the next hole, you don't get the birdie, or you get the bogey, and the person is the part, and you lose the box. It's like, damn, like I lost the box. Like I kind of want to get it back. It doesn't mean anything. But, you know, for disc golfers, like it's something it's that competitive. It's a little more of that competitiveness, like, OK, who's got the box? And it's kind of, it kind of feels good. And it, I feel like it builds your confidence during your round a little bit if you're able to get that box. I know people that aren't like totally used to getting it or if you don't, they're on a card and they hardly ever get the box. But then they score a sweet birdie. Um, then they're like super excited because they get the box. You know, as opposed to, I think if you had a player that was learning or a player that's not that great and they're the ones that are constantly scoring bogeys, they're going to get frustrated and they're going to get tired of having to go first. Like they just got done scoring a, a six on a par three and now they have to go first. Like that would, that would suck. I would feel bad for them. Yeah, I get it. I, th- I think it's uh, almost like a, you know, being, it's like a positive reinforcement versus a negative reinforcement kind of argument there um and i don't know i think the night like if i i would be embarrassed and i would be like damn bro this sucks like i don't know i and i don't know yeah i just think that you know you then get the luxury you're playing well so you get the luxury of watching everyone else and learning from their mistakes that's my opinion um let me know what you guys think of this of this hot take comment down below let us know on instagram twitter facebook all those places make sure you leave a like rating a rating and review is always appreciated and without further ado i think it's time to get out of here enjoy the nice weather enjoy it not being 90 degrees or snowy yet get out play some disc golf And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to the Chain Clankers podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chain Clankers and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us from so you never miss another episode.